1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and it's a crazy world that we live in, that there's been a lot of adjustments to the entire world over the last couple of weeks, and many of us have crash-coursed into learning how to do telehealth. The news changes by the minute as far as predictions, precautions, and whatever else comes out. And Katie and I wanted to take this opportunity to either point your interest into looking at what the stock market is telling us about what is going to be coming up. But it's very evident that we are at least meeting the first part of a recession. We're not economists and even economists are wrong a lot of the time. (laughs) So we do want to be able to kind of start looking at the possibility that as we enter into a recession or if we do, that we wanted to have some ideas around really making sure that your anxieties about your business can start being met and this might be really difficult as far as you know if you're quarantined if you're dealing with kids if you're dealing with health issues that things might be starting to stack up for you but really starting to look at these ideas now is going to hopefully help you weather whatever financial storm is going to come. Uh, we had a blog post on our website last week that kind of talking about my predictions as far as what's going to be coming out around some of the echoes around uh, how agencies and some practices are going to be handling the situation. But we also wanted to dive into this a little bit deeper here and look at some really wonderful information that we have kind of in the years following the Great Recession as being able to be good predictors that can help businesses go through whatever is coming next.
0: In preparing for this episode, I went and kind of looked at stuff throughout Forbes, Harvard Business Review, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, some other notable sources that that were looking at research that was happening right after the Great Recession and identifying businesses that not only were surviving those recessions, but actually thriving and growing afterwards and looking at what were the differences, that kind of stuff. I also found an article from May 2016 in psychiatric services that showed that the average increase in outpatient mental health year over year, 2009 to 2012, was 5.4% on average so that there was an increase in mental health services medical providers you know oftentimes have recession proof businesses so this is something where we we need to be aware we need to pay attention but we potentially have the opportunity to not have this gigantic financial hit that some other folks may have so so stay stay calm don't panic but i think that this is a time that we need to be aware of our business practices and how we're making decisions so that we can weather it better. Because these are on average, this is not every business. There are definitely practices that I'm sure closed during the Great Recession, and there's some that actually took off. And so the biggest thing I think that's really important is, is doing a self-assessment as well as a business assessment to make sure that you understand what you do best so that you can do more of that, as well as how well your business is operating. Because in times of plenty It is very easy to have things kind of take care of themselves in a little bit easier fashion when things are hard and and there's a lot of different ways that you're struggling potentially personally, potentially, you know, the people in your family require more financial support, like when things are a little bit tighter or your, your focus is somewhere else your business systems will only be as good as they are they can't you can't you, you can't pull up the slack as well during hard times and so really looking at all of your business systems and looking at how much you, bandwidth you're going to have i think that's important you know we're in quarantine right now. And there's folks that are talking about like, hunker down and take care of yourself. Don't worry about it. There's folks that are saying like, be extra productive and do all these things. And I think then there's people, there's backlash against both saying, hey, don't make me feel guilty for not being productive. And some people saying, hey, don't make me feel guilty for being productive. I think you have to understand your bandwidth and and know what you're capable to do so that you can actually set up your practice to look that way. Because if you are someone who is like, I need to do a lot of stuff and I have now opened up all this space because my private pay clients are not coming in as regularly or whatever, you might be doing something different than if you've got an insurance practice and a lot of things to do and it's more battening down the hatches and doing more of the therapy. So I think really understand what it is that you have the bandwidth for and and what you want to create at this time because it's going to be a little bit unique.
1: And I think for a lot of people right now that this is going to need to be a very thoughtful process. This is not something where in scrambling to just meet the demands of whatever's happening next is going to be something that is the instinct for a lot of people to do. But Just scrambling on instincts is not necessarily something that's going to serve a lot of people right now. That if we are really going to think about long-term implications for what a practice is, this is having the appropriate systems in place, being able to refine those systems, things that we have talked about through our catalog of episodes numerous times. This last week has been the scramble for a lot of us being a, being forced to move many of our clients over to telehealth figuring out what those telehealth jumps are uh, i understand you know not all of the telehealth options have been super reliable for all of the clinicians who are probably overwhelming servers someplace but once this initial kind of transitory transitional scramble is over we need to dedicate some time to being able to sit down and really figure out what those changes are that we need to do. And for those of us who have kids at home and very understanding partners who are taking care of kids while we're you know, locked in a back bedroom someplace doing telehealth with other people <laughs> who are anxious about COVID-19, that you know we feel obligated to go out and then do childcare to relieve the, the pressure off of our spouse. Yeah, you're still going to have to do that, but if you're really in, especially if you're in a cash flow business that is entirely private pay, right now is the time that you need to sit down and really look at the long-term implications of what's happening. And while we're telling a lot of our clients that there is nothing to prepare us for what is happening in the world right now. This is where we got to start looking at a multitude of different factors and historical precedences. Katie's talking already about, you know, the after effects of the Great Recession. That's one of the things that we need to look at. But it's not just the same as that time period. That's one piece of this. And some of the economic responses that I'm seeing already, you know, the shutdowns in several states of restaurants is showing a drastic reduction as far as the cash flow through other industries that will hit us as healthcare workers. And this is the warning that, and and the the comps that I'm seeing on that are post 9-11, that people really returned to restaurants and bars pretty shortly after that, that there was a somewhat return to normalcy that is not being shown even in the first week here. And this is, you know, preparing for a world that is not going to be the same. And that's where these decision-making steps really have to be intentional at this point, because I'm guessing, Katie, and some of the research that you're seeing is the businesses that just fly at every whim during uncertain economic times are the ones that don't necessarily survive.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I think... The, the piece that you said that I think is really important to highlight, you know, all of that was accurate, but the point that I think that it's important to highlight is this cash flow issue. And there's a few different elements of it. One is, if you have ever been a person that allowed your cash flow to be delayed, that you don't charge the credit cards right away or you don't invoice right away, stop doing that. <laughs> you need to make sure, because people may be planning their their financial you know kind of investments whether it's in their own health or other things and own mental health or other things but they may be planning that and if you delay a credit card payment or if you don't invoice them until they have a certain level of thing and obviously this is client by client and some people would be would prefer a different thing so you still want to look at it but if it's about my money systems aren't in place and I'm not regularly invoicing or charging my clients That's not going to fly because people may be having smaller margins on their monthly income. And so if you don't take your piece out, they may not be able to afford you. And so I think really cleaning that up so that people don't go to a place where you're building up a debt.
1: Well, and for those therapists who are in that situation, so are your clients. You know, If you're starting to feel that panic around that money income sort of situation, so are your clients. Yeah, And let's face it, it's easy to brush off a couple of hundred dollars that I owe to a therapist. I can always find a new therapist. Sure. But this is where getting your systems locked down right now helps to also help your clients continue to be able to budget without it looking like huge dollar amounts just all of a sudden flowing out the door.
0: Sure. And I think for me with insurance... I, you know, I do take I have a hybrid practice, I do take insurance. And I think for me, that allows some stability, it's less money per hour, but it is stability. And there are folks who are more likely to take, they will access mental health services more readily if they know that they're paying 10 or $15 versus $200 for the session. And so even with that, I need to make sure I'm billing insurance timely. I need to make sure I'm taking my co-pays timely and that I'm really looking at the whole picture of what my practice looks like so I can make sure that I'm hitting my revenue requirements and that I'm doing it timely because any, any delays in that stuff potentially creates havoc. I mean, there's there's if your insurance claims aren't put in on time, sometimes they won't even pay them. If you don't collect your co-pays on time, then then you have that same issue of having a larger bill. And so whatever you can do to clean up your financial practices and keep the cash flowing really helps your business as a whole.
1: And part of this decision-making process, I'm looking at a 2009 article in Psychotherapy Networker. This is by Lynn Grodsky. And this article is called Recession-Proofing Mantras, How to Stay Calm When Your Practice Seems to be Under Siege. And one of the first points that she makes in this article is focus on profit, not growth. And this is not only tightening up these business systems that Katie's talking about and making sure that your billing systems are in place, but also really starting to make sure that you have that stable income that is going to be able to help you weather the storm. That while some people may you know, really be able to embrace that entrepreneurial spirit and have the time and resources to expand right now, those are going to be the far out ends of the bell curve. The real, you know, within the first standard deviation is where most people's practices are going to fall. And this is where it's not necessarily tightening the belts in so many ways. It may be. It's evaluating what your expenses are going to be. It's evaluating what your income is going to be. But it's looking at the balance between those two, the expenses and the income, that ensures that you're going to still have a consistent income within your practices. And this may be looking at Cutting certain expenses, it may be taking less risk on expanding new areas. You know, I see some of these people in some of the Facebook groups. You know, I started a group practice five, six, seven months ago, that are just absolutely freaking out because you know it's it's not you know a super established business right now. Now is not the time to necessarily make those jumps unless you've you know really got a foundation to making those steps. Starting five, six, seven months ago. That's, a, that's an all right time to diversify. It's an all right time to, you know, put a couple of irons in the fire. Right now is maybe evaluating which irons do you take out. Streiser <laughs> is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Streiser to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their coinsurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash therapist to get started and use our promo code Modern Therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I think the the point that you're making, I think, is a really good one, because I think there are folks who immediately, when they hit a, hit some sort of a revenue shortage, you know, the revenue from my therapy practice is slowed down, I have to start something new. That could be an agile business decision, right? So you look at I've got clients who are not wanting to pay for individual sessions. I'm going to start offering groups, you know, that they can still access it. It's less expensive, but that's all well and good, especially if you can use your same space. So that's on an increase in cost. If you understand and can do group therapy and you don't have to pay for training for group therapy. And it also is something that may be very helpful if you already have some clients, you know, you've got, you've niched down and you've got some clients who would be open to group and who can't afford individual. Sure. But if it's like, hey, I need to invest a bazillion dollars so I can offer this service that potentially is going to bring me less per hour, than getting one additional client, not necessarily helpful. And so I think you want to be agile. You want to look at what do my clients need right now, but you don't want to go into something where you're really taking a lot of risk financially, where you're investing a lot in and that you're you're not sure that there's really a marketplace need for it. So I think it's it's looking at how do I either you know kind of focus more efforts into my highest value offering which oftentimes is individual therapy for a lot of us therapists or if that's not really going to sell right now what is it that I can do what what are the things that I can do that I can offer to my clients so that I can sustain the ones that I have so to that point the US Chamber of Commerce has a article worried about a recession, do these five things now. So it's actually a really good article. It's for all businesses. So I will extrapolate for you and then Kurt and I can talk about each one. So the first one is understand which areas of your business drive the most value right now. So that means the largest profit margin and where you have the best competitive stance. And so what that means in a therapy practice is what are the services that people are actually purchasing. Oftentimes it's individual therapy for some folks. It could be retreats. For some people, it could be the group therapy, it could be a lot of things, but understanding where you have a high profit margin. If you've got, you know, if you're doing insurance and private pay, if you are actually selling private pay at the same rate that you're that you're selling insurance spots, the higher profit margin is on private pay. If you're in an area where you're not going to get a lot more private pay especially during times when you know of economic uncertainty you have to look at that that insurance and how you can decrease the cost of doing insurance you know the billing and that kind of stuff and so i think it's it's looking at what am i making the most money on right now does that make sense
1: it does and this reminds me of this 1997 behavioral economic study where Cameron badcock lowenstein and thaler looked at New York taxi cab drivers Mm -hmm. and found that most taxi cab drivers made decisions to only work until they reach a certain amount of income each day. And this is something that I think that we all need to kind of take to heart right now is what they found is on low grossing days, taxi cab drivers ended up working more hours. There was less of a return on investment. And on higher paying days, they worked way fewer hours, that if they hit their you know, goal for the day within their first five to 10 clients, they stopped working, which is completely irrational when you think about it, that you yeah. should be maximizing all of the high-paying opportunities that you can and cutting loose on the lower return on investment ones.
0: Science. Science, yes. <laughs> Science, yes. I love that. In a private practice, there's not one answer because I think every area is different. And so some people are going to thrive with an insurance practice. Some people are going to thrive with a private pay and some people are going to thrive with with a hybrid practice. There's a lot of different ways that happens. And so you don't want to look at just how much money does each client bring in gross? Like what is their fee or what is the insurance paying you? It's how much money did it cost to get that client and how much money does it cost to get the money for that client? And so there's... So many variabilities there, but you want to look at both what revenue is coming in as well as the expenses associated with that so that you can then look at what is the actual profit. And you want to get the most profitable, keep the most profitable clients and not keep the, the clients that are not profitable because you really need your time and energy right now. So, the second one I think speaks to the other part of that equation. To a certain extent, which is paying off your debts as soon as possible and don't take any more. When revenue starts slowing down, even if on a daily basis or a weekly or a monthly basis, you're able to cover things okay, if things slow down, if you have any debt or you have any other things that are hanging over your head, those things are going to be really, really difficult. And, you know, where you might end up defaulting on a a loan, if you've took out a loan to like purchase your office, or if you, you know, did whatever, like those types of things that that's going to have an impact on that. So you want to make sure that you're planning for that, and that you're cutting costs wherever you can. Now, you want to be cautious, because there's been other things I'm reading that you don't want to cut any costs that are related to the customer experience. And so I want to, I'll get to that point later, because I think the customer experience is the most important one. But you do want to make sure that you're really looking at, do all of my costs and my debts make sense? Can I decrease my debt so that you can get yourself in a stronger financial position so that the the ebbs and flows of your revenue don't hit as hard on your credit and other things? The The following point in this article is, is kind of the, the corollary, which is set yourself up to access to capital now. And to put that in our speak is like create a rainy day fund, you know, make sure that you have three to six months worth of expenses. If it's already too late, start trying to plan for that so that you can, in the meantime, you know, kind of siphon off some money every month so that you, that you're building up some reserves. It's really important to make sure that if things are totally falling out the bottom, that you have a little bit of, of bandwidth to keep yourself going.
1: This may be also, Time to also look at some of the historical precedences around just where where payers are. Katie's been talking about the you know insurance reimbursements, the you know private pay reimbursements that are happening. Again, not an economist, not a part of any government administration that knows anything about healthcare spending and the predictability of those decision makers right now changes literally by the minute. Yep. But you know it's been a few episodes since we've referenced saving psychotherapy by Dr. <laughs> ben Caldwell.
0: But we, we're referencing it now. There we go. <laughs>
1: yes. But part of the the major point in his book is about the reduction in healthcare spending that happened even before the Great Recession, but then especially during it, and with the way that we're starting to see just the reallocation of doctors into uh, you know various roles just to deal with the the coronavirus that's happening right now, but we're now seeing you know retired doctors in some countries being brought in to just handle general you know people coming in the door so that way the active doctors can go and help deal with with clients with with the virus. We're probably going to see the funding start moving that way too. And when healthcare funding is going to one specific area mental health is usually not one that is going to be at the forefront of that. And so even if you're relying on Some of these, you know, consistent contracts, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, even some of the private insurance companies, this is really highlighting Katie's point here in a roundabout way. I I finally get to just stumble through a conversation like Katie normally does on on our episodes. (laughs) But really being able to look at that rainy day fund might be something that we're starting to really see you know, from some of these historical places that might be at the forefront of what's happening. Because if you can put those systems in place now, you're likely going to be able to better weather whatever comes after the storm here.
0: Sure. And I want to be a little bit more hopeful about mental no, health no, no
1: hope in this episode. This is doom <laughs> and gloom
0: because I mean I, I did I did find my stat that that mental health services and the utilization of mental health services actually increased during the, the Great Recession so I do I do feel hopeful and that my practice has not been changed maybe I should be knocking on wood here but my practice has not changed my I seamlessly moved online and all of my clients are continuing to keep all of their appointments so I think that there is when you set things up you can keep your money flowing through but I agree Kurt that there is so much uncertainty in what l- things are looking like that you do want to make sure that you have your own reserves and your own contingency plans so that you're able to weather whatever happens but the
1: and, point and, that you- and I know that since since Ben is listening and he's like yes the need arose the spending didn't and this-, this was
0: actually spending. But anyway, we'll look at the article. We'll talk about it later. We won't grapple with that. <clears throat> but the point you were making about making sure that you're, you're assessing what's going on, you also want to do that within your business, not just in your own financial stability, but within the business you want to find – and this is from the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce article again – but it's exploring recession-proof business models and opportunities. And so during the recession or during a recession, people are more likely to only purchase what they need, not something that they see as a luxury. And I think in your marketing, you can talk about mental health as a need and you can really support that. And I think that there is... A change in the way that the current generations, the younger generations, are are perceiving mental health and talking about mental health. So I don't believe that it's just going to disappear. I think that people are going to say, "Crap, I need a therapist now because I'm so depressed because I'm worried about my job and that kind of stuff." And I'm sure there's some of some of you like I have that are starting to re- receive co- new calls because there's a real fear and there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on. But I think it's so. It's framing it as a need. I think it's also potentially costing it as a need. I think that there's you still have to look at your own things, but potentially during these times, you look at how can you either create products and services that work in varying economic environments, which means potentially having sliding scale spots or insurance spots. Potentially, it's looking at ways that people can access services that that is affordable to them. Because people are really going to be looking at their expenses, and if something is felt, feels like a luxury item, whether it's because of the cost or because there's still a portion of society that says we need to buckle up and you know do it ourselves, I think that we need to to respect that and and really look at how do we make adjustments, if any, to make our practice more accessible for by people while there are an economic uncertainty and confusion and chaos and, and kind of all of those things.
1: This is bringing back to that point earlier as far as doing this with intention and doing yes. this now allows for you to start creating that flexibility to be able to address that changing needs. And this is going back to the Grotsky article, too, of the, the practices that are going to survive and potentially even thrive through this recession are the ones that are the most flexible. Yeah, And it's doing that with intention. It's being at the forefront of making those shifts. So that way, when the, the time changes, when the needs do arise, that you're prepared for that. And that comes with being able to carve out the time now in order to be precautionary, not reactionary, around things that are really foreseeable. And for those of us who are sitting here and thinking, you know, what's my practice going to be like in three, four, five, six months, and just kind of sitting in this state of, of emotion and fear and immobility to deal with those feelings and to help create some sort of a pathway for you to follow through that anxiety. And This is, you know, all of these wonderful points that Katie is bringing up is all of this comes with intention. You know, if you aren't already on an insurance panel, if that's something that you think that you're going to need to be doing, now's the time to start applying. That's not a quick process. It's not like, you know, one day you just kind (laughs) of, you know, hey, insurance company, can I be a part of your panel? There's a lot of paperwork in that. There is. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. <laughs> We had an episode with Barbara Griswold uh, of Navigating the Insurance Maze, and we'll link to that in our show notes, as well as all the bazillion articles that I found, on uh, that's at mtsgpodcast.com. But I think the the intention and the, the ability to focus on what is really important right now is going to be so important, and so you put, can potentially help someone else's practice if you don't already have a therapist, and find one, because if you're grappling with fear, and all of us are, fear and anxiety and those types of things, and you're not able to get to the place where you can come fully present into the therapy room, that's going to impact your business. It's certainly going to impact your clinical work, but that impacts your business. And, And I've seen folks this week that it's clear that they felt very uncomfortable with the transition to telehealth. They didn't get behind it and they're not getting their clients onto telehealth right now, even though nobody can leave their home, you know, at least in California right now. So I think it's, it's something where it's, it's critical that you get your head around, how do I do this? How do I move forward? How do I make this make sense? Because certainly if you're doing something that doesn't align with your values, it's going to be even harder right now creating a practice even more deliberately even more leanly even more efficiently and effectively like that is so critical in times like this because that's the only way it survives (laughs) if you're ambivalent if you're if you're complaining to your clients like any of this stuff you're going to lose clients because they need you to be the rock and they need you to to be grounded i mean you don't have to be perfect but you have to at least feel like that your clients aren't going to need to take care of you or feel like they're not getting what they're paying for.
1: In this transition from panic, sky is falling to picking up the sky and putting it back in place, how are people knowing that they're going to be making this transition?
0: Well, the final point on this Chamber of Commerce article is really to pay attention to your numbers. And I know a lot of therapists have a hard time with that because they don't want to look at the money. They don't want to look at their expenses. It's kind of, it's a little bit out at the end of their fingertips or beyond. And so this is, it's really critical that we start looking at what are our expenses? Where's the revenue coming from? And actually continuing to monitor those numbers and actually, do some projections and make contingency plans based on those things so that you make sure that you're still aligned. And that's a hard thing. And, and certainly there's there's people that can help you figure those things out. But once you've evaluated and kind of cleaned things up and you've focused in on solidifying your business, you need to keep track of it by paying attention to, to your numbers.
1: And this is bringing us right back to that old point of you're a business person first, you just happen to do therapy
0: yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> so people who've gone through the panic, people who've looked at the numbers now now that we've accepted that things may be not in the best place any tips, recommendations on how they should be really? prepared to make a shift for what's about to come next?
0: There's a lot of different ways I could answer that, but I think the piece that I keep coming back to that I feel is aligned with therapists in such a real way is to continue to take care of your clients. Now, the business case for that is if you're taking really good care of your clients, they will continue to do services. They will continue to see you. They may have to shift their frequency or maybe they take a break and come back but clients you feel really cared for will not only stay with you, they become great referral sources because their friends are freaking out right now. And then they also will potentially be able to, you know, if they, if you have other services, like you add a group or you, you know, there's other therapy type things that you're offering. They're more, they're the most likely to be the ones that sign up if they have the, the bandwidth, the need, that kind of stuff. And so, regardless of what's happening in the background the most important thing and this is for all businesses but for therapy practices this is so critical continue to pay attention to the quality of your client's experience whatever you cut don't allow it to negatively impact your client's experience and so some of the things are are looking you know some of the ideas are looking at how do you make sure that you're communicating clearly so that it's very clear on your website, it's clear in your your intro calls, it's clear in everything so that clients have no doubt what it is they need to do. It's very clear on what they have to pay, what's being paid for them, that you're communicating so that there's not this back and forth and this uncertainty that either potentially has them drop off or just makes a lot more time for you, which makes you inefficient and you can see fewer clients because you're spending so much time cleaning up that communication. And that's more the business communication, right?
1: And this you know, is just kind of that point that I've heard in various places throughout history that it's like four times cheaper to maintain a client than it is to get a new one.
0: Sure, sure. And I think it's aligned. Like we want to do good clinical service. We want to take care of our clients. And so we just have to do that. But I think when we get panicked or when we're so focused on the financial aspects and so now it's like we're, we're, you know, kind of grilling our clients about fees or we're, we're you know, we're like we're getting really clumsy with payment or those kinds of things because we're stressed out, we lose those clients. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's really important to, to be able to pull some of that anxiety and some of that worry back behind the scenes, completely separate from those relationships so that you can actually take really good care of those clients. And so to me, it's a no brainer, but it's, when we talk about therapist burnout, you know, people are forgetting what their clients said. They're they're not being present when they walk into session. And so if we're feeling burnt out, we're we're not doing this. And so it's even more important to become very focused. I think we can also identify ways that we can provide something different or more, either to our clients that we already have or as a, a new offering, because unfortunately during these times, and I'm not telling people to steal other people's clients. But during these times, people are going to be assessing their, their expenses. And if they don't feel taken care of by their current therapist, they will go looking. And if you are offering you know, readings and other things on your website where people can you know, do some self-study, if you're making sure that you're actually paying attention and, and your clients feel very cared for and that comes across... You may increase the people that you're serving because they're, they're not satisfied with the person that they're a freaked out therapist who's not doing the same services that they had, or they just don't feel like they're getting the value they need. And so it's, it's important to keep marketing. It's important to do high value services for the clients that you have, even though that feels in a lot of ways secondary to surviving or maybe further back because survival sometimes feels very important when you're financially strained.
1: One last piece that I want to add into here is for people who are entering into the business market right now, this is a very scary time and this is round two of facing economic recessions. As far as my practice goes, mm-hmm. my practice started during the great recession and a lot of my cohort at the time really had some long-term after effects, the way that they look at business that even kind of ended up hampering them when the economy did return to normal and then began thriving. And so this is partially of looking at the flexibility of what needs to happen for right now, but that doesn't mean that you have to ignore all of the other principles that go along with looking at the long-term growth of your practice too that this is not just about the next couple of months, but you should be setting one, three, five-year plans anyway. And to consistently be able to look at those and tweak those will help you on the other side of what is about to come. And not being hampered into making all of your locked business decisions of just in the lean times, but also being able to provide yourself the opportunities to continue to grow depending on what the market forces allow you to do. And, you know, you can still have a plan to one day get back off of those insurance panels. You can move back to a, you know, entirely cash pay private practice, but knowing that this too shall pass.
0: Yeah. Just to summarize, cause I know we said a lot here, the most important thing to have a solvent business is keep your money flowing, decrease your debt, Really be conscious of your costs and cut where you can, but don't cut costs at the expense of your clients. Make sure that you're constantly focusing on taking care of your clients. Do what provides the highest value at the lowest cost or the highest return on investment for you so that you're doing the services that you do well. You can cautiously diversify if there's another needed or aligned service, but don't you know, kind of going back to the previous one, don't incur a lot of debt and a lot of risk to do so during this time. Evaluate, and improve your business practices so that you're super efficient, super lean. I oftentimes that becomes, comes with tech. So I, I like to update with tech, make sure you have contingency plans so that you have your, your rainy day funds so that you can continue to, to flow. Even if the money's not flowing And, and I, and to Kurt's last point, make sure that you're really thinking, what do I do now? And what do I want to be doing differently in three or five years when things come back? Because I think that that's something that is critical for long-term satisfaction is continuing to work towards the practice that you want. So
1: Katie mentioned earlier that our resources will be on our websites and our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. And while you're over there, you can check out all of the updates on everything that we're working on. We're making all sorts of our little tweaks and adjustments to the Therapy Reimagined 2020 conference that we will continue to put on in one form or another in September of this year. And we're exploring all of our options with that, but hope that you'll be able to join us either in person or through whatever virtual conference that we end up putting together and follow us on our social media. We'll include th- those links in our show notes as well. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the modern therapist survival guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter, and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code Therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.